Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly and voila! You get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. The HR Data Labs podcast was created to discuss issues beyond just the processes that make up HR. We're going to look at ways to uncover the insights that are found inside the data by using modern people analytics techniques. We're going to provide you with practical examples of how to not only look for these patterns in the data, but also to look for noise and to look for other errors or issues that may come up when we look at the data. Each episode is going to focus on a different topic across HR. We're going to talk to experts in each field, in HR and beyond HR. We'll be talking to friends in the finance organization, the CIO's office, and other leaders and managers who have a unique perspective on how HR and HR data affects the business. One thing that we certainly want to focus on in this podcast is challenging convention. We're always going to ask the question, why? Why was it always done this way? And we're going to try and come up with creative ideas on how we can do things, not just better, maybe more efficiently, maybe look at things just a little bit differently so we can take those unique perspectives that we hear and improve on how we deliver services to those clients. You're going to hear passionate talk about human resource data and human resource data analytics. And sometimes we may get a little irreverent and we may get too passionate, but if that's the feedback we get, then that's okay. That's not the first time that I've actually heard that. I'm your host, David Turetsky. I have over 30 years in the HR space. I've been an analyst, executive, entrepreneur. And while I have a unique perspective, I think the people we're going to be talking to are even more unique and will be able to provide you with a really great amount of insights that you can use practically every single day. After each episode, please go to TuretskyConsulting.com slash podcasts to comment on today's or other episodes. Post new episode ideas and feel free to be creative. Just please be nice. Welcome to the first HR Data Labs podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a few different topics, but mostly it's going to be around HR data. We're going to talk about how HR data is inherently flawed. We're going to talk about what is HR data and why do we care. So looking at HR data and talking about what it is and why is it important to discuss it, consider the fact that there are about 123.6 million employees as of August 2020. And by the way, that's down from like 132.16 million in August of last year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 
Uh, that's a lot of people. And each one, as an employee, has a record associated with their employment. Not just one record. There's a record of their candidacy, of their onboarding, their benefits, their beneficiaries, their compensation, their payroll, all the different types of activities that we think of as part of HR, even beyond HR, whether we're talking about security, we're talking about logging into HR or IT systems, all of those things can be seen as HR data and HR records. And so each one of these single processes we're going to talk about in a little while, but each one of those things makes up HR data. And while we'd like to think that HR data is always perfect, we need to think about the fact that HR data is inherently flawed because the processes that, were, that make up HR data, they were never intended to be measured. They were always intended to be used to solve a problem, whether it's bringing an employee on board, whether it is signing them up beneficiaries, as we mentioned before, paying them. All of those things are used to an end that has nothing to do with measurement. It always has to do with something that gets the productivity out of the employee. And so HR data or the use of HR data needs to be thought of with kind of the art and not a science technique. We need to think about it as a way of being able to drive insight out of HR processes while keeping in mind that that process was actually never intended to be used as a measurement technique. So the first thing I wanted to lay out is that when you're using HR data to try and derive conclusions about the people that are working for you, we do need to be extra careful and make sure that we keep in mind that we have to document well the assumptions we make and that the data that we're looking at is inherently flawed. thing to talk about around HR data and its inherent flaws is that employees actually should be, if they haven't already, they should be owning their data. And what I mean by that is that employee self-service, which is not a new topic, it's been around for many, many years. Employee self-service should be at the forefront of us being able to keep the employee records or HR data clean. Why? first of all, they live it. They are it. And while we may not want to expose all records or all types of data to employees, they should certainly have the ability to change data that is pertinent to today, here and now. Data, for example, that revolves around their pay, their taxation, their beneficiaries, their benefits, their compensation. And I know that when we start talking about compensation, I'm not, I'm not talking about anything with regard to constructive receipt and trying to get out of paying taxes. I'm saying that it would be great if employees had access to what their pay is at any time and how that actually translated into what actually gets into their paycheck. So basically looking at the world of compensation from here's your base salary, here's your bonus target, here are all of your executive compensation grants. And here's how you get paid. Here's how it actually translates into your paycheck. And what I mean by employee self-service as well is as process owners of their own information. There is actually a practical need to provide this access to employees 
whether it's keeping their veteran status or their race and ethnicity status updated. Let's face it, we've had employees who have been working for us since the dawn of time, since many of the HRIT systems had been expanded or grown or, or actually even rolled out. So there may be inherent dirty data in the systems that either have come through evolution or through new legislation or regulations. So giving the employee access to their data to update it is probably a necessity at this point. Consider also that there are new data privacy regulations which provide the right for employees to understand what data is being captured about them. And while I don't think employee self-service goes all the way to that end, I think it's necessary for them to have access to their data, at least to be able to see what's being captured and make sure it's being kept clean. You know, we know that there are knock-on effects to not having clean data. So I'll give you an example. When an employee moves, there may be changes to where the person is domiciled, and therefore there may be changes to where taxes have to be paid. So if the person is living in Rhode Island and they move to Massachusetts, instead of the company and the employee paying taxes to Rhode Island, it needs to be Massachusetts, and that will cause problems for the employee and the employer when we do find out where they move to. So the employee having access to their own data and making changes when appropriate is actually a really good thing. So if you haven't done any true-up or clean-up of data, and you do have employee self-service as part of your HR package, your HRIT, your ERP. My suggestion is to provide a communications campaign focused on the effort of cleaning up that specific type of data at a specific time. The effort could be incentivized with recognition or actual real awards. Like the first to complete the audit gets a $100 Amazon gift card. You may never see people react so fast in your life. Or you might make a lottery or a drawing for those that actually complete the audit by a specific period of time, then advertise the winner with peer recognition and don't forget that Amazon card. So let's also talk about the processes that underlie the data that may actually be flawed. The examples that I love when it comes to talking about HR data is when we talk about things like headcount, even something as simple as headcount. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to CFOs or been called into CFOs' offices more appropriately to explain the difference between what the CFO sees from the general ledger as what the headcount is or should be and what we see as headcount. And you know, yeah, okay, let's get beyond the talk about full-time equivalency and talk about the definition of what is an employee, whether they're regular or temporary, whether they're contractors or full-time employees. Okay, those differences may exist. But when you finally get to a data definition, there will certainly almost always be differences in the measurement of employees because the timing of the data is usually typically very different. The GL gets updated when costs hit a general ledger 
that may be coming from payroll. It may be coming from expense management. There are lots of different ways in which data hits the GL from a cost perspective. But the processes that we're that I'm specifically talking about from the HR perspective are, you know, okay, payroll is one, but also we talk about recruiting and the HRIT that keeps an active record of an employee, whether they're getting paid or not, they may be on leave or they may not be getting paid. But so that might create differences in what payroll sees as an employee and what the HR data might see as an employee. And it all comes down to the definition of whether you include LOAs in your headcount or you don't, whether you include part-timers, whether we're actually talking about FTEs or we're talking about butts and seats. So when we talk about measurement, a lot of times and we use these sets of data to talk about measurement of employees and headcount, especially around something like a headcount measurement, we need to be very sure about what the assumptions are that we're using and be very clear about who is and who is not included in the data. Because without those inclusions and without those assumptions, you're basically just leaving it up to the interpretation of the person who's looking at it. And if that is your chief financial officer, then I promise you, you will be definitely called into their office with a very stern meeting invitation and conversations around, you know, why is your data wrong? When your data may not be wrong, it may not be fully documented, but I know this is going to be a topic of conversation that we're going to have with other guests. In fact, when I've spoken to other guests, one of the first things they mention is, oh, I want to talk about HR data and I want to talk about how terrible it is. So these were my opinions and I'd love to hear some challenges on them. And so please put them in the comments. And if you have suggestions for other podcasts, other podcast topics, please be my guest, put them in the comments. I'd love to hear from you and love to get your feedback. Anything you want to tell me, of course, please keep it positive and please keep it PG. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So in summary, we've spoken about what is HR data and its inherent flaws. We talked about the processes that have derived the HR data. We talk about employee self-service and some of the best case scenarios about how to actually utilize employees to maintain their own data. And we've talked about the underlying processes that created the data and how they're flawed as looking at this stuff from a measurement perspective, but they're great at actually hiring and paying and giving benefits to employees. HR data is important. And with the appropriate assumptions that you make when you provide analytics to anyone who's reviewing it, HR data is actually fit for purpose. So while HR data is flawed, it actually is very useful as long as we're making sure that we're keeping this as an art form and not a science. And even if we did see it as a science, and the good thing about the scientific method is, is that you use a lot of really good assumptions, well-documented assumptions. But even as an art form, well-documented assumptions are going to be your friend in having people trust your data. So whenever you're giving out an analysis on HR data, the best thing you could possibly do is provide them with a page of the assumptions that you're using to go in. The second thing is that 
employee ownership of their own data is really critical. It gives them an opportunity to make sure that it is representative of what's happening today. And while employee self-service tools are available, we may not all have them. Every once in a while, it's good to do an exercise where you provide the data back to employees to get their updates so that the data does true up and it is complete and you are accurate. And while some of the other data, which we'll talk about in other episodes around jobs and job structures and organizational structures, those aren't something that the employees can own. But making sure that the employees can own their own data, where they live, who their beneficiaries are, any missing information about gender or race or ethnicity or veteran status or disability status, those are things that are going to be critical to providing really good, accurate documentation Um, especially when you're talking about governmental, local, state, national filings. The third thing that we talked about was the processes that underlie the data and them being flawed. And that kind of also speaks to the fact that the measurement of people and of HR data was never an intention of those processes. When we created a candidate system or an ATS system, we never actually thought about that data actually being used as an analytical tool. We thought about being able to create the best experiences for the recruiter, for the candidate, and for the manager, and for all the other players and actors in that process. And that's why when we talked about using assumptions and this being an art form, it's absolutely critical. No matter what system we're talking about, whether it's a generic HRIS where you're just capturing changes, promotions, transfers in, transfers out, Those have to happen to keep the business afloat. The capture of that data may be delayed by a little bit. The accuracy of every form may not be complete. And that's why, as I talked about before, those assumptions are absolutely critical in making sure that the data is useful from an analytical perspective and from a reporting perspective. So don't worry about the processes being flawed. We're all flawed. We're all human. And even computers sometimes mess up and make mistakes. The bottom line is that assumptions will be your friend here, and making sure that you have the right assumptions is what will be necessary to making sure that your analytics are going to be the best they can possibly be. So I'd like to thank you for listening to the episode one of the HR Data Labs podcast. And as I asked before, please provide your comments and episode ideas. I'm looking forward to reading them as well as responding to them. And let's keep this a great conversation. Take care and stay safe. That was HR Data Labs. Please visit TeretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show, add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.